Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Jackson trying to escape and run for it, and he's got it more. Lamar Jackson down the sideline. Will they give it to him? They will. Touchdown, Baltimore. And with 117 left to play on Wild Card Weekend, the Hayes in the Barn. Oh my God! I wish you guys could. I wish we had a camera in here so you could see what we're doing. We're just a bunch of <laughs> clowns in here. <laughs> How much fun is that? All right, welcome on back to another edition of the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. It is Tuesday, August seventeenth. My name is Jake Luke, and I'm joined on my screen by Spencer Nathaniel Schultz. Going with a little bit of a different background this time, I can see. I'm sure you're probably in an undisclosed location, but uh, looking good. The kitchen. The undisclosed kitchen. Okay. I feel like I've seen your kitchen at different angles, too. Are you just kind of trying to show it off? Yeah, just slowly but surely, like once a quarter, I'll show you another six-by-six area of the kitchen. Cool. Well, I'm going to be keeping an eye on the storyline. I'm going to be tracking it as we move forward here. But uh, speaking of storyline to keep track of in a, uh, you know, been a eventful couple days in in Ravens Nation and Flock Nation with them playing their first competitive game of 2021 or not competitive necessarily but uh, exhibition game with the uh, preseason contest versus the New Orleans Saints which uh, the boys I didn't get the chance to watch it live I was vacationing up in uh, Deep Creek with the boys with the Regazzi so I didn't get a chance to see it there but I've since gone back and watched it Spenny was in attendance uh so, you know, you got out there, you had yourself a good weekend, it sounds like I did too, and uh, here we are, ready to break down some uh, Ravens football. Yes, sir. Moved uh, moved the PSLs from up in the 500s down to the 100s, get a little closer view of the actions, and I can see a little bit maybe less of the scheme and a little bit more of the athletes, which is nice. Uh, I've been there for my entire life, 20, I guess 25 years we've sat there on the dot, so New seats now in the uh, in the end zone, or on, I guess on the corner, in about nine rows off the field. So it's nice to to see the athletes, see them up close from kind of the sky view I had before. It's kind of like looking at Madden when you press the D pad all the way out, and uh, you can see the whole field really easily. But kind of hard to see, you know, the nuances of movement and things like that. So I'm excited. Plus, at this point now, I end up watching the games like four times by the time Tuesday night rolls around. So it's you know trying to. Enjoy the up close and personal. Enjoy the uh, festivities of the game when I'm there a little bit more so than you know take a notepad and and do all that stuff. Since 
we watch it over and over and over again due to that beautiful all 22 that we've been missing. But hopefully that comes back soon. Yeah, I think going to a preseason game is a good move, especially when you only have one a year to go to anyway, like this year. So uh, I like that you, you kind of because with the preseason, like, especially when you're just a fan like for us, we kind of have to be a little more dialed in. But when you're a fan, it's like you watch that first drive and it's like, oh, that was awesome. I mean, depending on how it plays out, but cool to see the uh, the boys back out on the field. And then you kind of just check out and you're, you know, you're checking your phone maybe a little bit, um, not 100 percent dialed into the game uh, unless you're John Harbaugh. But um, yeah, going and kind of getting that perspective, uh, getting to watch uh, up close and personal some of the uh, the guys that are maybe on the fringes or whatever it's going to be who you're tracking throughout camp is uh, always kind of a cool experience, I thought. Yeah, for sure. Watching guys like Tyson Williams and. Chris Westry and Geno Stone and all those guys being able to see them up up close and in person and the way they were moving, the way they were reacting, how they were hitting, you know, seeing the impact up close and live and, and the speed they're playing with. It was all good stuff. So uh, a lot of good came out of uh, basically a lot of good came from every area of the Ravens uh, aside from their offensive line. And, you know, that is what it is. So a lot of guys hurt right now. So, you know, I, I'm pretty down on the Ravens offensive line starter wise right now just kind of as i've been peeking around the league a little more and things like that but overall you know the defense played quite well the dbs all played well linebackers had impact plays the defensive line made some plays the young rookies on you know the outside linebackers made plays all around so uh good stuff all around a lot of depth receivers jalen moore had a couple really 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 nice routes really nice uh ball skills even gray makes a tough catch where he gets hammered at one point so uh, you can you can put a finger on any room in the Ravens' uh, entire personnel, and somebody was playing well at some point there in that preseason game. Tyler Huntley, I thought, you know, was just fast and smart for the most part, aside from inexplicably getting himself laid the absolute f out on that sideline. But other than that, I thought he played well. So. It was a very encouraging game, and hey, anytime you've got Sean Payton apparently screaming inside of his own locker room after the game, after a preseason game, let alone, you probably did something right. So Ravens, 18-0, going back to the uh, Chris Davis MVP days. Jonah Schaefer had that tweet, which was hilarious, saying they haven't lost a game since Chris Davis was, uh, <laughs> basically since Chris Davis was coming in third in MVP back in, what, 2015, something like that. So the, the streak lives on. Jonas just on an all-time heater with uh, Twitter right now, too. So that's another uh, storyline to track is Jonas Schaefer's Twitter account uh, throughout the preseason. But, uh, yeah, it kind of felt like a game for me overall where, like, it kind of was just a representation of where they're at, which, you know, maybe that's a little bit of an obvious statement that, uh, you know, the offense is banged up. They're missing Bateman. They're missing Brown. Some of these key guys on the offensive line are banged up, and you got Bradley Bozeman sort of out on an island out there by himself as one of the few starters kind of getting going in the game and uh, looked a little weird, people bagging on McSorley a lot. Um, I After going back and watching it, like I like I said, I'd seen all the takes and all the stuff before I had a chance to sit down and dive into the game. After watching it, I don't totally blame McSorley for the poor performance. I think the offensive line was a mess. I will say the, you know, speaking of confirming storylines that are going on right now. I thought all the wide receivers, especially like the young guys, guys that are not going to be on this roster, all looked really good. So a nice feather in the cap there of T. Martin, who was getting a lot of love on the broadcast. Broadcast was fun. I liked uh, Nolan and Woodson uh, stepping in there with Jerry. Um, I thought they both brought kind of the the right amount of old school, like meathead football guy, sports talk radio stuff, while bringing a little bit of actual analysis too. So uh, overall, just a, a good effort. 
Didn't love the refs getting involved to the extent that they did, but we do this every year where we freak out about the refs in the preseason, but they're kind of just, uh, it's their preseason too is the cliche, and uh, I, I guess we're going to have to, you know, fall back on that for this example as well. But uh, yeah, just a, a nice effort. Felt a little bit incomplete with the offense, especially in the current state that it's in uh, health-wise and uh, whatever else-wise. But uh, yeah, just a, a good first effort in John Harbaugh keeping that streak going. Uh, we're we're going to see how it plays out over the, the course of these next two games, but uh, a good start for him in that regard. Yeah, and watching those guys kick it into gear. I mean, it was preseason game number one. They're going to, I guess at this point, Tyler Huntley is going to be playing exclusively. He's going to get like at least halves, at least probably might go three quarters in the next game. So uh, Kenji Bahar ends up being signed now and McSorley unable to go. But it's, uh, I mean, hey, maybe maybe Lamar misses one game or two games at some point throughout the season. It, it happens. You know, it happened last year. And uh, it was last year. It was kind of the entire team was missing, not just him, but. Uh, maybe you're going to have to rely on Huntley or, or McSorley or whoever it ends up being ultimately to win a game or two games as opposed to, you know, the situation where they end up being the starter for the rest of a season following an injury or something. But just kind of feels like, you know, it's a big storyline. But at the end of the day, if, if the if, if Lamar Jackson goes down, the Ravens go down. So uh, that's that's the law of the land, in, in my opinion. So. We'll see how it plays out. I think Tyler Huntley can do some good things. Uh, looked pretty darn decent. And as you were saying, you know, it'll be exciting to see him play with the ones and get some more time with with some of the talent and see what he can do and how he can utilize it as that's such an underrated part of quarterback play is how they actually utilize the talent that they have and who gets the ball and all that good stuff. So it's fun, fun stuff coming up. But in the end, you know, Lamar Jackson's that dude. Yeah, I'll continue to bang that Bortles drum uh, as long as we're having this conversation. But if they're not going to do it, then like Huntley kind of feels like the perfect fit. He seems to me like the only player in the NFL, or at least quarterback, that can at least reasonably replicate what Lamar Jackson brings. Obviously not quite to that level, but I wrote down in my notes, holy shit, Huntley is so fucking fast because of like three different plays that I saw him make. Like really, really fun to watch, really quick twitch athlete fast in the open field, maybe even gets a little bit out over his skis on some certain runs where he's like running into Oliver uh, from behind on like one of the blocks that he was making downfield, I think. So just an absolute energizer bunny, fun to watch. So yeah, I I am excited to see him get some run with the ones here. And uh, I I don't know to what extent we're going to be seeing Kenji Bahar, but uh, excited to see that too, local guy. You know, hopefully he plays his way into some sort of role in the NFL. Yeah, uh, the Calvert Hall kid by way of, uh, well, I guess Monmouth by way of Calvert Hall. He's got a live arm. He's a little bit mobile, and and we'll see. I, I thought the Ravens might bring him back for a couple days and end up probably putting him uh, into that camp arm role and then maybe trying to figure out something a little more legitimate. But, hey, maybe he uh, gets more reps and is able to be that QB3 and work his way through. So we'll see. I mean, Trace probably is going to come back, and I'm sure they would love to have Trace on the practice squad. Uh, if he's, you know, not healthy, I'm sure they'll, they'll probably try and retain him, but Kenji Parr will, will get some reps. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, certainly. Uh, Trace's injury, it does, um, interest, you know, interestingly opens up some things as far as the backup quarterback conversation goes, which has kind of been a hot button topic to begin with. So I'm sure we'll, we'll get more into that, but we do have a mailbag tonight, don't we? We do indeed. Let's get to it. Uh, haven't, I feel like we had a pretty meaty 
mailbag consistency for a while and we've laid off. So I think we've got a couple of I think that was for there. I think that was for the best. I think we maybe relied on it a bit too much at times. So I think mixing up mixing it up a little bit is uh, kind of always a good thing. For sure. Especially, you know, in those months without football or draft content. The mailbag was always a nice little tool, but we'll be we'll be popping them on here throughout the season sporadically uh, as we as we see fit. But the first one coming from Glassy Fresh on Instagram. OA trying to take Justice Hill's spot as a special teams big hitter or what? Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun to see OA out there, and he's been a, a live wire on kick and punt coverage all throughout training camp and in practice and everything of the sort. So like Adelius Thomas, they stick him out there, and he's uh, he's making moves, making power moves. And you love the energy, you love the attitude, you love the positivity about him. Yeah, maybe it's uh, maybe it's the fan thing where you talk yourself into a player. I know we were both somewhat neutral on this pick when it was made, but uh, man, he's been nothing but fun to watch. Nothing but an impressive kid. Every time he gets in front of the microphone or in front of the camera, has something to say. Uh, seems like he's really smart. He's smo- soaking stuff up. He's you know providing a good example to the other rookies like uh, Dalen Hayes. We've seen they, it seems like they have a good relationship and there's nothing better than seeing that all come to fruition with him just looking like an absolute like demigod out there just running around the field like on punt coverage getting a, I think he had a sack or two uh yeah that, that was a lot of fun and um him getting in special teams I don't know the extent to which that's going to happen during the regular season given he's you know going to be relied upon in the outside linebacker room but uh you know we'll certainly see it was fun to see them kind of mix it up a little bit it definitely was moving on we got Ryan J. Laurie is this the end for Trace and should the Ravens consider a real upgrade at the backup position and who would be on your all-time Ravens team? Um, I mean, it kind of feels like once Lamar gets a monster contract, it's smart to invest in a quarterback that can keep things going. But at the same time, it's like, you know, if Aaron Rodgers goes down, you're probably screwed. If if Patrick Mahomes goes down, you're probably screwed. If Russell Wilson, you know, so on and so forth through those really top-tier kind of quarterbacks that are tier one, tier two, you know, however you want to cut it, Lamar Jackson's no – no lower than a top 12 quarterback if you're the biggest Lamar Jackson hater on earth. So it's it's a tough balance, but it is what it is. Quarterbacks get hurt. Tom Brady tore his ACL, and Matt Castle comes in and, and goes 11-5 and because the Patriots had such a good thing there at the same time. And uh, then Matt Castle goes and gets a contract because of it and is in a starting caliber quarterback. So it's it's kind of a fishy situation, but I think yes is the answer to the question. Yes, as in, should they seek out a better option? Yes, yes. They should seek out a more legitimate backup quarterback option. Yeah, and like I, I've been saying, the Bortles thing, I, I would default to him. I just like as far as like needing a guy to come in and win a game, like he's a guy who obviously he has turnover issues, which you really don't like for a backup quarterback, but he fits the athletic profile. I was looking at his RAS recently, and he he wasn't like in Lamar's territory, but he, he was way closer than, the, than you would think. Um he can roll, you know, he's got a strong arm and he's won games on teams, like a lot of games on teams that have a good running game and a very strong defense. And the Ravens, this Ravens team might not quite be as good as that 2017 Jaguars team. Cause that team was freaking loaded. But you know, if you are looking for that option on the free agent market, that's who I would say. Um, I think they probably should start looking into it, to be frank, because if McSorley is going to be missing all of preseason, I think that's the perfect opportunity. But it also like boils down to what a guy like that would want to do, what kind of money he would want to take, because to your point, like I wouldn't want to like overpay for him either. So, you know, it's it's an interesting situation to keep an eye on. 
I definitely agree. You got to kind of strike when the iron's hot in terms of that backup quarterback situation. Like a Mitch Trubisky, what a what a good situation for the Bills, it feels like. So that's a situation to monitor, and I feel like it's just something you want to kind of try to get over the next year as you're getting ready to pay Lamar, if you have the opportunity. Moving on, three tones. Who will be the surprising cut? So I can go and say like Jalen Ferguson, or I can go and say like Ben Powers, but I don't feel like either of them are surprising necessarily. Uh, hmm. So I'm trying to think who would, who would be surprising. I guess Justice Hill maybe would be a surprising cut. Uh, in, in lieu maybe of Tyson Williams, who had a really good game. I can't, can't really put my finger. Maybe I really don't know. Anthony Levine comes to mind. Jordan Richards comes to mind. Um, other than that, I'm I'm just not sure who else would would be really surprising. Yeah, I think you kind of hit on them all there. Like I, I wouldn't really know who else to say. I think probably my prediction would be Ferguson, um, and it would suck to give up on a third round pick just three years in. But like it does kind of there is some odd man out vibes going on there. He's going to need a big preseason, and he he got a sack the other night. So we'll we'll see if he can keep up the the big momentum. Agreed, agreed. He he had a. I mean, he just is what he is. He he likes a bull rush. He likes to lock out. He's a sturdy kind of run defender. He's not super agile, but it's just kind of him and Ben Powers kind of had a similar track. It feels like over the last couple of years. So I think they're both definitely in the danger zone. Even though Ferguson played a lot better than Powers did. Maybe you see them try to swing a trade. CJC, is there any timetable for Hollywood? And give me three Ravens fantasy sleeper picks. Hollywood, I feel like, is like fine right now, but they're just really trying to get him super, pause, stretched out ahead of the season and make sure that he is like as limber and kind of muscularly balanced or kind of has a good homeostasis in terms of you know, his core through his legs, through his upper body, and, and making sure there's some good synergy there because this is a huge year for Hollywood. This is kind of like a a big money year for him, it feels like. Like if he plays at a top, you know, kind of at a level we've seen him play at, at his highest, if he can kind of reduce the valleys and, and be more towards those peaks, then he could be a big, big, big money extension sometime in the next couple, in the next year or two. And if he kind of flounders and can't stay healthy, then it puts him in this weird purgatory where he might end up seeing like a Robbie Anderson type free agent situation or something. But he is a first round guy. He is in a really low volume passing offense. So I think getting him stretched out is is definitely a necessity right now. Yeah, those those contract talks like with the way the media works now that they've they start earlier than ever, maybe not between the teams necessarily, but like media starts bringing them up and then obviously that gets the agent going. So you know, it, it's definitely a weird situation. He is a first-rounder, so he has that fifth-year option to work with. So we'll certainly see what happens, but it is kind of a little bit of a make-or-break year for him in some regards. So hopefully he will be healthy. I think he is, to your point. I think they're kind of kind of just taking it slow with him. They really cannot afford to, like, have another wide receiver go down. Sammy Watkins had a minor injury situation, I think, today. Um, sounds like he's going to be fine, but you just you, you, you got to, like, be careful with the horses you got right now. Can't be overrunning them, so be careful with him. Uh, and I guess in that same vein, a little fantasy option. I, I'm not a huge fantasy guy, but I'd say like you can probably get Rashad Bateman on the cheap now. So do that and let him pay dividends for you down the stretch. I think Gus Edwards is a monster sleeper right now in terms of, let's say, J.K. Dobbins can't go and just the fact that 
I mean, they're good. You know, let's say Justice Hill's the third. Whoever the third is going to get a few touches here and there, but I don't think there's going to be a ton of competition for those touches. I think Gus Edwards is going to be very, very productive this season and get a really heavy workload, uh, especially as like he's got that contract right now. The Ravens like, all right, we're going to keep him uh, for the next what two years after this, so three years. So they want to, they're going to want to pile on those touches. And then another one, I guess, would be maybe, I guess, Josh Oliver. You know, I was th- I was thinking ends. him too. If Boyle gets hurt, he he maybe like you handcuff him and Andrews uh, on a certain week. That would be that would be interesting. Yeah, I think those are a couple options there for you. Moving on, uh, Mister C, aka Twenty Two. Are we concerned that Awusu Karamoa is balling right now, or are we comfortable with OA? Well, you're a huge Wusu- you're a huge JOK guy, so I'm not I'm this. not a huge JOK guy. I think he's a nice matchup player. I think he can do some things in space, but I think you, he's a player that you can attack that a starting caliber offensive line, and he's not playing in you know the late third quarter of a preseason game. I think you can go attack him and move him away. Uh, the, I mean, the block that he slipped, he did make a nice hit, so you know he was able to lay some wood, give him credit where it's due there. But pathetic whiff of a block on whatever that viral hit was, or vi- that viral hit of his was. It was also nothing uh, better than what we saw from Patrick Queen on that one play too. So. It's just you've got Malik Harrison, you've got Patrick Queen. You're comparing him to OA, which is basically you drafted an athlete at a posi- a dire position of need at the time. Justin Houston wasn't here. For me, the player uh, like I'm not looking at Uso Cormo at all. I'm looking at you mentioned Creed Humphrey on Twitter, and I'm looking at Joe Tryon, who is apparently looking amazing for the Buccaneers right now. Right, Tryon, Creed Humphrey, maybe Landon Dickerson. Uh, you know, you can make the the very quick, jumpy concerns about Bateman being hurt and missing maybe a game or two or three and then being like, oh, well, they should have taken Elijah Moore. They should have taken Terrace Marshall. They should have taken whoever the hell you want to put in there. So those are those are maybe a little more realistic in that kind of sense. But I don't know. I just pump the brakes on Owusu Kormoa. He's I've, I liked him as a matchup player. I said he's not a first round kind of foundational player where. You're going to be like, all right, this is going to be one of our core guys that we're going to rely on. Even if there's a rebuild, we want Jeremiah Wusu to Koromoa to be the, the stud there. And there's some people that had like top 15 grades on him. And I think he does some nice things in space. I think, he can, I think he's just like a nickel. I think he's like a good nickel and a big nickel. And uh, he can he can do some nice things. He can make some nice plays and RPOs and things like that. I think he's a good RPO defender. So maybe he has a good game against the Ravens and everyone's like, you're an idiot, Spencer. But it is what it is. Moving on. Who gets more sacks this year, Hayes or O.A.? They look good so far. I'm definitely just going to say O.A. Yeah, for sure. I think he's going to have a lot more playing time, uh, especially with the starters. But they look they both look good the other night. I expect Hayes to have a role this year, but more in a run defense kind of capacity. But, uh, yeah, they both notched, I think, at least one sack. Um, so, yeah, they, they were really, really fun to watch, and I'm bullish on them both. Uh, O.A. more for the near future, though. For sure. You guys know I was definitely big on Dalen Hayes. Will the Ravens keep our Darius Washington and Geno Stone DB exhaust? I think that's kind of the toughest room to sort out right now between, like I mentioned, you got the two special teams aces in Levine and Richards, and the Ravens love having special teams aces, hence why they had both of those guys last year. Um, then Nigel Warrior is like a factor, but he's got a bone bruise, so he might miss the entire, you know, probably going to end up on the practice squad a guy that I would love to protect on the practice squad possibly. You can only protect four, and there's like six that I want to protect. So that's a fluid situation. But 
Geno Stone looked fast. He looked physical. He looked in tune. He had an interception where he, you know, takes away the middle of the field and then hauls tail back from, you know, between the hashes all the way over to the numbers. And he had two nice interceptions picking the ball up off the floor. Um, I, I think aside from those interceptions, though, I think he, you know, I haven't been able to watch more than the TV copy, but he came up and made some plays in the box and in the flats and things as well. So, uh, and then Washington, yeah, Washington did, you know, he did miss a sack pretty badly. He kind of whiffed a Over good bit on Ian Book. Bit, yeah. That happened, but he had a really nice break on like a slot hitch and nearly had a pick. Almost, plus pick, that almost a pick six. Yeah, that he, uh, he looked good. Like they both, like to me, it seems like it's a battle between those two guys to like be the last guy in that room. And I think like if one of them or both of them looks good enough, like it'll come down to like that, like the coaching staff deciding like, all right, do we want to keep Jordan Richards or do we want to bring one of these guys up? And like, I, I, I think Jerry mentioned on the telecast that like they kind of went out of their way to sign Washington as an undrafted free agent. They gave him like an extra hundred K or something. So they really like his potential. They obviously like stone. I mean, he's been in and out of town a little bit, but, uh, yeah, they both look good. They both uh, look good in different ways. Geno Stone kind of being the the playmaker uh, through the air, and then um, Washington kind of coming downhill a little bit more. He had the uh, the blitzing, and um, you mentioned the the near pick six that he had, which was was kind of on that hitch route close to the line of scrimmage. So both looked interesting. Excited to watch them both through the rest of camp, but uh, I couldn't make a determination right now as to whether either of them will be on the final roster. For the sake of the exercise, let's go with. Uh... Let's go with yes. Let's go with yes. Young boy season. Thoughts on the O line? Um, thought I thought Tyree Phillips looked really good moving forward and not that great moving backwards. In other words, pass set versus run set or versus just working downhill in the run game. Uh, I just don't love his vertical sets as a tackle. But Ben Bredesen kind of made a, a few nice blocks here and there, and. I just saw a clip of him that I didn't see when I was watching where he picked up some work and, and made some plays. It's always tough to make these determinations on the offensive line without being able to look at them from straight on. So looking at him from the side is always a little tough. But Ben Powers definitely got put on his keister a few times. Uh, he was playing some right tackle, which maybe that's kind of like an exercise of let's work on your set and work on your mobility because, you know, we're, we're trying to vary it up and, and work on your skill set. But I don't think he was very strong. I was not very impressed with Bradley Bozeman. Fourth and one, he got completely dunked, uh, just kind of pushed right back about a half yard or a yard into the backfield. Got no push there, no movement. And my question has been with Bozeman, you know, he's, I, I feel like he could be an upgrade to Skura and all those guys for sure, but is he going to be able to take a zero tech, the 335-pound bull, and not lose? And that's my been my question with him, so... I, I, you know, mixed thoughts. I thought Pat McCarry's pass sets looked really, really nice. It's a shame his arms aren't a little longer. He probably would have been drafted as a tackle. Uh, a very ragtag group. I thought Andre Smith looked not good at all at any point that I saw him. I don't, pretty surprised. I mean, maybe they're just trying to give him some time since he opted out and get him a couple preseason games. He's a veteran, he has starting experience, but. Man, is he slow off the ball. Man, oh man, is he so slow off the ball. Tyler Huntley almost got sacked because of it once. He let up a couple pressures, it felt like, and uh, not not much good. It looked like Tristan Cologne, who I guess dropped the Castillo. Did he? I think so. His jersey just says Cologne on the back. Interesting. Okay. Which, like, I like that. I like that move. You need a, you need a hyphenated guy 
but I like the move. Okay, it's kind of, it kind of reminds me of a uh, Nickel Roby Coleman when he was just Nickel Roby and then he added a Coleman. It's kind of going the other way, it, you know. I like it. Tristan Cologne is any relation to Willie? Mm, probably not, but who knows? Who knows? So yeah, I mean, offensive line, you know, it was all the backup guys for the most part. Villanueva was out there. I didn't really pay attention to what he did much, to be honest. Uh, I probably should go back and see if I can find something, but. Kind of, uh, kind of just waiting to see on the regular season. I mean, waiting to see on what the what the five is and Ronnie Stanley coming back how it is. But overall, I just don't think this offensive line is a strong suit. It's probably the weakest unit. In like, definitely on your offense, it feels well, like. Well, don't tell and, that to uh, a certain ESPN analyst who likes to raise his voice inexplicably. Who? Their wide receiver core, the weakest unit in football, just got weaker because they lost their first-round pick who's not going to be able to play for the first couple weeks. I'm an injury expert, and I know that he's not going to be able to play for the first month at least. This is a major, major concern. He's just like a seven-year-old. Like He just reminds me of like a seven-year-old. That He has this, he even has like the spiky hair of a seven-year-old. He like, does. He, he's got the... he's he's. He's got a lot of ideas about fashion and how to present yourself, and none of them are correct in my book. Plus, a known Dodger of this show. So yeah, but yeah, for sure. If Dan, so, I know you're listening. Get it together and listen. Hey, we had Rashad Bateman defending the wall for us, so it it all. Yeah, came Rashad Bateman up. absolutely dunked on him, but just fuck you, Dan Orlovsky. But uh, so ultimately, I just don't think this unit has a lot of talent. I think they've got, like, depth, but they don't have talent. It's weird. Like, left guard could be probably three different guys from Powers through Phillips, and it would be, like, like a moderate difference between whoever the best of Cleveland and Phillips is. They reminded me of, uh, from like just from my untrained eye that was made even worse by watching the TV copy, they reminded me a lot of pre-COVID offensive line last year. Bad on first down. Decent going forward, bad in pass sets. Like they, you know, they were just getting obliterated off the line in some cases. Yeah, the the speed was an issue around the edges for sure. Uh, the only guy, like I said, that I saw that didn't struggle there was Makari. But I don't even care about the depth. Like I don't care about the depth. I'm just like Bradley Bozeman. I was not terribly impressed with. We'll see. We'll give him more time. You know, you can dunk on me and say it was only you know 15 snaps in preseason week one. It doesn't matter. Whatever. I just don't know how he's going to deal with really good nose tackles in his grill and 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 have no breathing room. He's never been a drive player. He's never been like a force coming off the ball. He's always been a guy you like better in space and, uh, you know, able to move around and, and use his intelligence a little more so. So I, I just not high there. Villanueva is probably, you know, going to be okay. Zeitler's probably going to be like kind of good, good, an athletic guy who's versatile, has experience, you know, Definitely think he'll he'll look a little bit more towards his uh, older AFC North days and his last days in the Giants, but but what it all boils down to is that you, in terms of really talented players, you have one, and it's Ronnie Stanley, and other than that, you've got you know some dudes, you've got some all right, okay, solid, decent linemen aside from there, and to me, I just. It felt really good at the, in the moment when they like signed Villanueva. It felt, you know, Zeitler, I am still very happy with that signing. And of course, hopefully Bozeman can at least just snap the ball well. But 
I don't know. It feels like looking around, you look at good, consistent teams and how they kind of win and and what they do. And yes, Lamar Jackson can make up for some mistakes and he can help in terms of wanting pa- forcing pass rushers to slow their roll off the ball. But I don't know. It's it just to not to, to have Yonda and Brown and Stanley in 2019 and still get absolutely wrecked by the Tennessee Titans, by Jarrell Casey and by Jeffrey Simmons and watch the Bills be able to really come downhill and hurt the Ravens. And the Titans played a good game uh, against the Ravens offense, especially in the first half. Like, the Titans did it again. They were were really bottling the Ravens up for the most part, and Lamar gets loose on a third down play that kind of busts things open there, and then they use the perimeter. So just not very high on this offensive line. And if one – let's say if Zeitler or Stanley misses time, it feels like you really have a, a dearth of talent on that offensive line and you're going to probably going to lose to good teams when you, when you have to go, you know, mano a mano, try to take on the the talented defensive fronts. They're probably going to stonewall this offensive line. It feels like in situations, especially early in the season or if there are injuries. So I think there's definitely, it doesn't even have to do with the preseason. Bozeman plays a few snaps. Villanueva plays a few snaps. I don't care about those guys, but just it's, going to be an average group it feels like and i don't think average offensive lines take you very far yeah it's uh not something that i am comforted by but i can certainly see your point for sure moving on are you concerned i guess about the wide receivers getting hurt and do you think it will impact the regular season will it undoubtedly impact the regular season to a degree as opposed to if they were all healthy and we were living in a wide receiver utopia right now and Bateman's healthy, Brown is healthy, Watkins is healthy, Boykin is healthy, you know, Prochet and Duvernay are still out there kicking and, you know, the chemistry and all the, all the buzzwords, synergy, whatever, whatever the corporate buzzwords you want to use are. It's impossible to deny that there won't be a negative impact by missing time right now. Anyone would tell you that, including them, but they'll, they'll probably say that they're also confident in their ability to, develop that as the year goes on, whatever. But am I concerned about it? Not really. Uh, unless, you know, Hollywood comes back and gets hurt again, or if Sammy Watkins, you know, leaves practice, Harbaugh says it's basically nothing. And then it is a big deal, which we kind of anticipate happening to Sammy Watkins. Um, my, you know, keep that conservative optimism about that happening anyway. So, I, I just like Devin Duvernay and, you know, Prochet's had a strong offseason. I think Boykin and, or excuse me, I think uh, Bateman's going to come back and I think Brown is going to come back. And uh, I, I just think Keith Williams and T. Martin are going to have this unit able to be more explosive and understand how to separate and sell their breaks and get out of their stems and things. So I, I, the injuries are somewhat concerning to a degree, but I, I just like T. Martin and Keith Williams and, and the way they've been working these guys this offseason. Yeah, I agree. And it goes back to my point about, guys at every level of the roster, the 90 man roster right now and how they're looking in the the games or how they looked in the uh, the first game and how they're looking in practice, whether it's like Benjamin Victor or uh, the kid Moore, I think Jalen Moore, maybe Um, just, you know, all these guys looked fairly solid and like, they're hopefully not going to be seeing NFL snaps. I would wager to guess that they're not going to, but just the fact that guys like that look like they got some game, Dion Kane, another guy to, you know, keep an eye on, the fact that you have guys like that showing you something makes me 
you know, sort of equally bullish on like if a Tylen Wallace has to get snaps this year or James Prochet has to get snaps this year. I think they're fine. I think they're fine too. The real Jason Wilson, I thought Elliott held his own last season, but do you, do we see more impact plays from him? I think we saw some impact, impact plays for sure, but just to answer your question quickly, yes, year two of him hopefully being able to stay healthy and, and play and uh, have that starting role all offseason. Yeah, big fumble recovery, ran off the field looking jacked up, uh, you know, just kind of looked more like a leader, which uh, I was not necessarily expecting was going to happen, both from the big play standpoint or the health standpoint or anything. Like, I, you know, he was a six-round pick who was uh, looked at as a little bit of a project coming out of Texas. It looks like he's fully coming into his own, expecting a big year from uh, Deshaun Elliott. Agreed. Moving on. Whitehead will top three fast food places and go to order from each. Uh, five guys. I get my burger nice and sloppy. Bacon, onions, fried, mushrooms, mayo, mustard, uh, French fries, of course. Get a little, little lettuce on that burger as well. Uh, I don't know, man. I can go, I can go pretty much anywhere. I can go pretty much anywhere. I'm a McDonald's breakfast guy, so I'll throw them in there. And I'll, I'll fuck with a uh, two-cheeseburger meal every every once in a blue moon. Uh, Chick-fil-A, for sure, and then Popeye's. Popeye's is uh, low-key goaded. They have the the sandwiches, which are obviously great, but they've uh, retooled their their chicken nuggets, which are pretty good. Their chicken strips have always been good. Love Popeye's. I, I was hungover coming back from Deep Creek uh, yesterday, stopped at Popeye's and just demolished, just went sicko mode on a... a box of chicken strips i believe and uh some fries and brother i caught a nap on the couch and i was feeling right as rain popeye's great hungover hangover food there you go cookout well yeah that's cookouts goaded too but we need to there needs to be more of a presence here in uh at least in it'll, up, it'll, it'll come I, yeah it will you, I, i'm sure it will it'll it'll be there and then uh yeah chick-fil-a for me too and then i love hardy's hardy's is very good yeah hardy's is good moving on Block one one three five. Uh, well, we have our backup quarterback now. I know O line was one hundred percent, but are you concerned? We already touched on that stuff. Hopefully, we answered your question, Jonah. 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 Gus Edwards still getting slept on. Don't you think he could surpass J.K. and rush for over a thousand yards? I just talked about that. Uh, yeah, I, I think there's a very real possibility of that happening. I would say, if I had to wager, J.K. probably gets thirty more, maybe. 35 more overall touches than Gus Edwards, but there's also a realm of possibilities where Edwards is healthier throughout the entire year. And uh, I think they're going to be pretty neck and neck there. A thousand yards. If, if you up Gus Edwards carries by 30, 40, 50 carries is very, very, very possible. So I, I definitely think there's a chance there. I hope we're not entering the, uh, the flaming take zone, but I Gus Edwards was just a, a consistently better player than JK Dobbins was last year. And I know J.K. was a rookie, but he came on strong down the down the end stretch of the year. They were both getting a lot of playing time, and I think uh, Gus in the receiving game, I think he looked better. J.K. had some uh, head scratchers for drops and uh, certain things, just some some mental mistakes that I think he needs to clean up, and I think he will. But uh, I think Gus can hold his own in, in this rotation. I think he's probably just as good of a player as J.K., and uh, yeah, I, I think he's going to get plenty of run this season, deservingly so. Well said. Well said. Mitch McGee. On a scale of one to ten, how worried should we be about the offensive line? I'd say uh, I'd say a six point five. Yeah, and he so. also asked, "What would you prefer if we kept six outside linebackers or seven wide receivers?" 
Hmm. It's a tough one. That's a tough one. It will be good to have the seven receivers, I think, because you could do a lot worse than James Prochet and Miles Boykin as your seven. But outside linebacker depth, we've been talking about that as an issue all offseason. So you might not be able to make that sacrifice. I think I'm going to go with the outside linebackers. The reason for me with the seven wide receivers is that you've got Oliver, you've got Boyle, you've got Andrews, you've got Ricard, and maybe you have Mason. Those guys are going to get offensive snaps. I think you can also keep at least one of the guys that you like on the practice squad confidently, whether it's Jalen Moore, Deion Kane, Benjamin Victor, um, some of those guys. If you, if you cut Miles Boykin, he's very likely going to get signed, I think. Very likely going to get signed. The combine, kind of the blocking, you know. There, he's put some things up out yeah, there. Not for, not for nothing he has produced in the NFL. He has scored touchdowns. He has made plays here and there. He would get signed. I think so, too. So I, I, I think I would roll with the six outside linebackers, ultimately, especially considering, you know, those guys are going to be able to do some things on special teams that are a little more important than what the, the receivers can do, I think. He also asked, is Justice Hill a roster lock right now? I wouldn't say he's a lock, but I'd say he's like a closed door, if that makes sense. I don't think the door's locked, but I, th- I think the door's closed. I think he's sturdy. I think the question is, do we love Tyson Williams so much that we want to keep him over but like a Ben Mason? <laughs> Let me posit something to you here. What if uh, Tyson Williams gets the shot in his arm and Justice Hill remains steadfast that he's not going to? I have no idea how that would how that would be reacted to. I'm not sure. I think Williams probably does have a shot in his arm. Which, but as, as football players, you know, I I feel like Hill does so many things on special teams, and he's looked good when you've needed him in games. So I, I think he's I like, got no. A I, I yeah, I like Hill as the player. I think he's probably got the inside track right now. Um, but if Williams keeps showing out, and um, I you know, it, it's just it's something to think about. I think the question is kind of, do we want to keep both more so? Probably not for me, uh, just because it feels like we're already talking about all these other positions that, you know, you need kind of to have conversations about. I feel like this is kind of one where you pick one of these guys and you sort of just live with your decision and it's probably going to be fine either way. I agree. I like Tyson Williams a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, though. And... G Fritz, 410801. Tyson Williams looks good. Does he take Justice Hill's spot? Does Lamar look like he's not in his best condition? Doesn't look as cut as he's been. And will the actual starting O-line have enough time to gel before week one? Uh, offensive line gel? I'm going to say no because they probably just like already haven't had enough to really get into a good place with not having you know Zeitler, not having Stanley, all that stuff. So gel, no. To to perform, probably they'll have enough time. Lamar in his best condition, I don't know. You, uh, I don't know how to answer that one. I'm usually like the workout guy, but uh, that one just like baffles me. Like I don't know what you've been zooming in on, but Lamar Jackson is probably going to kill it. So I I don't know what to say to that. Yeah, I thought he, I thought he looked fine. I maybe maybe not, but. Who, listen, could be a true who could say situation. Maybe we'll see it on game day when he, he can't beat the beat a linebacker to the edge. That's what I'm kind of thinking there. We already talked about Tyson Williams and Justice Hill. Uh, he said, do you see a way that Levine can make the final 53? 
I mean, can I see the way? Yeah, I can see the way. The Ravens are like, we love CoCap. We love the special teams. We want that. You know, I, it's just always been weird to me how little he's played on defense. I've always thought he's a nice cover player and a nice dime backer. And he, I think he had like 250 or 300 snaps a couple years ago. That was probably like a couple being maybe four or five years ago back when he had that game ceiling interception a few years ago in Pittsburgh and things like that. But I, I think that there's a very, you know, that's going to be one of the discussions is, do you know Albert McClellan, a guy that they loved for years and years and years, they let go because they liked the younger players that they had. And right now you've got Washington, you've got Stone, you've got, you know, Warrior, you've got all these guys at safety, not even mentioning the starters, plus the third round pick Brandon Stevens, who played pretty well. So a, a definite tough conversation there. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I do think he's pretty much got a roster spot locked up, though. I just think Harbaugh likes him too much. Harbaugh guy. Uh, he's definitely a Harbaugh guy. He he broke the team out and uh, saw that kind of stuff. I, th- I think he's kind of the one of the last remaining like last remaining lions from the original like lion kingdom or what. I'm, I'm trying and, to think of something. I here. think him and Tucker might be the only two active, and Cook might be the only three Jimmy. active Super Bowl. Yeah, Jimmy as well. Anyone else? I think that's that's it, right? That's that's definitely it. Yeah, so there you go. He's one of them. And uh, he Harbaugh loves Jimmy, and the other two guys aren't going anywhere. So I definitely would be, you know, I, w- I would be slightly surprised to see Levine be cut, but I, I think there's a discussion going on. No, I don't hate the, the yeah, and I, for, for my purposes, I don't hate the idea of having a discussion about infusing some young talent, at, you know, at that position, um, especially given the fact that you really don't like have a superstar player there. And uh, not that any of these guys necessarily are going to develop in that, but uh, I'm open to the conversation. I just think Harbaugh likes Levine too much. I hear you. Joe Book and NJC, could the Ravens carry two running backs and then two fullbacks? No is going to be the answer to that question. Going to the Lions game if y'all's traveling. I'm definitely not going to go to uh, to Detroit. That's definitely a game I'm not going to attend. Unfortunately, the quality of the team versus uh, I've heard great things about Detroit in many ways. I've always wanted to try real Detroit-style pizza, but I, I think I'm probably going to go to the Miami game. I've, I've got some some tentative plans in place for that and maybe a Pittsburgh game. Yeah, I don't know. I, I never really, like, or at least never really have made plans to, like, attend away games because I've just kind of been in that blur of, like, post-grad trying to save money life. But uh, maybe at some point I'll start thinking about that. Maybe, maybe at some point this year, but uh, no plans in place as for right now. Sure thing. I'll definitely want to get there to uh, the old Ford Field somewhere eventually. It's sometime. Givens Mazer, when do we start panicking? I don't know what that is in reference to. And there's no other one. So I'm just going to say now, now, panic yeah, now. Panic, panic now. Get all your panic out of the way because uh, we're going to need you come week one, pal. Heroes 931, who has looked more impressive between Averett and Westry? And which would you put on a wide receiver one? I'm more confident in Anthony Averett, for sure. I thought he played really well. I think that Westry just doesn't have a lot of experience, and I think he has more talent, maybe. I don't think he has as much technique or consistency, and I think that Averett is like one of the most overly hated on Ravens players. I think that Averett has, was, you know, he let up a touchdown in the preseason game, 
the ball was on the money and he was right in the dude's hip pocket, reaching over top, trying to pry it away. I mean, Westry's got the size. Westry's got, you know, the, the high-end traits, but I just don't see the consistency. He had an amazing recovery on that pass breakup that led to Geno Stone's interception, but he got smoked and luckily he lost his assignment and the ball was underthrown by like at least like five yards. So that should have been a, a deep touchdown. And I think if that ball is put on the money, it's like a classic case of the accuracy of the pass dictating people's thoughts on a player. And I think that Westry, we might, we might be talking about him a little bit differently if that ball was put where it's supposed to be. He also over-pursued in the run game on that touchdown run by that one. He did look really bad on that. I forgot about that. Yeah, Toby, Toby or Tony Jones, something like that. So, yeah, he, I, I think he's got a lot of promise, raw player. I think he has a good chance to make the roster. But Anthony Averett played some good football last season. We can calm down with that. Anthony Averett is a, a pretty solid corner, like two, three. Like pretty freaking solid. For sure. WB Caps, ideal new restaurant to add to M&T Bank a la Jimmy's. I vote for Raising Cane's. I mean, Chick-fil-A? Yeah, Chick-fil-A feels like one feels like one that could actually seriously happen, so that might be a good pick. Um, I got to try Raising Cane's. It gets so much hype. So, you know, maybe that could be a good pick. Who could say? But it feels, yeah, I mean, like Chick-fil-A is in the uh, George, in Kanye's house, right? The house that Kanye made music in, and there, and the funny thing is that it's in the almost well, not ex, I shouldn't say exclusively Falcons because Atlanta United plays there, but like they're they get a, a, most of their customers with the Falcons, and they're not open on Sundays, which is sick. So great job, Chick Fil A and Mercedes Benz Stadium. Um, but yeah, Chick Fil A kind of feels like a a good game day experience for everyone. Agreed. Boss Hoss Double O. Stevens looked pretty good. What kind of role do you see him having this year? I think he definitely uh, definitely looks like a tackler. That was something I was curious about. He looks like someone who's going to make plays. I think he was a little inefficient in his paths to pursuit or to the ball at times. Uh, there was like a, a blitz where he was pretty clear. And he ended up making the tackle, but he just kind of like looped around and made it this really big, wild pursuit angle instead of just, you know, kind of hitting that classic athletic uh, stance and, and the lateral shuffle instead of doing that and closing out. He also, there was a, a run play that was a zone play on the other side. Him and Dalen Hayes allowed themselves to be combo blocked by a tight end by himself. Hayes didn't give much, didn't try and, and win or do anything. And then Steven just kind of stood there next to him. And then the, so the tight end worked from Hayes to Steven, blocked both of them. The front side of the play was a total mess. It was only it was, the running back went untouched for like 13 yards, which is like uh, that's like the 98th percentile of how far running backs go untouched on a rushing play. And then Stevens ran him down and made the tackle. So I think good traits there, good, you know, effort, I think improving and we'll, we'll see more in coverage as, as the weeks go on. I think they like him as a blitzer kind of in that Tavon young role a little bit uh, at times. And then in camp from what I've seen, he's, he's lost some guys a few times. There's been some tight ends that have snuck, you know, in front of him and he's kind of just lost him. His plays got extended and things, but I think we see him play like 100 or 200 snaps maybe defensively this year in dime, and and I think he's the third safety if someone goes down. Yeah, he like he was on the field for Deshaun Elliott's fumble recovery. That was like I think on the first or second series. So he was he was running with the big dogs. I think he's going to have a role this year for sure. I concur. Third round pick. You expect him to play ro rotationally. That's first round pick starter or heavy rotation. Second round pick 
heavy rotation, maybe a starter, third round pick, heavy rotation, a mild rotation, so on and so forth. So third round picks should be working themselves into that, into that playing time, ideally when you draft them. KGZ25, yo, new IG visuals are saucy. And what team would be a good fit for Miles Boykin? I truly think he can be successful elsewhere. For Miles Boykin, I think like the Seahawks, I think like the Packers, uh, probably the Steelers. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe like the Texans just because they like need bodies. I would say Saints, but, you know, with no Drew Brees, it's kind of different. But I feel like Sean Payton could get something out of like any wide receiver. Uh, but yeah, Packers was, one, Packers was one that I had in mind as well. I concur. How did I just skip around here? Okay. I am that goat Esmo. How do you think the Ravens starting D-line looked against the Saints starting O-line? I wasn't all the Saints starters, and it wasn't all the Ravens starters. Clayus Campbell wasn't in there. Brandon Williams wasn't in there. I don't – I don't. Derek Wolf play? He might have played a couple snaps. I don't think I saw him. He either didn't play or played like one series or something. So we saw Matt Abike. We saw Aaron Crawford a lot. We saw Broderick Washington a lot. And – Justin Ellis, I think, played a bit. So I don't, I don't think we saw really any of the starters necessarily. But I thought they played decently well. Broderick Washington's had a nice camp as a run stuffer and uh, been, been pretty tough in some one-on-ones. Him and Crawford both, I thought, had good good bit of positive plays, good bit of negative plays. Uh, they don't have good laterals movement skills, but they're really good against downhill concepts. They're good power situation and power concept players, but they're not good you know, wide zone, as I like to say on this podcast, the offense players. So I think both those guys can be nice other on the goal line. I think they can be good in some short yardage situations and things like that. Uh, Broderick Washington, I think, is coming along nicely just in terms of like being more efficient with his footwork and with his hands and uh, knowing when to engage fully and lock out and things like that. So I think we saw some good things. Matabike looked unblockable in the run game. He, he just whoops guys' asses laterally. He's the perfect player for the offense, and he was he was whooping some tail in the run game, making tackles. I think he forced a fumble as well. I still haven't. I don't think we ever really able to see like what happened, but it looked like he at least got his hand in there, and it was probably him that did it. So I think Matabike looked damn sharp. Yeah, I liked uh, what I saw from him. Um, I guess you can count away as kind of a starter, and he looked good. Uh, and uh, what we saw of the defensive front that's going to get a lot of run. I mean, they were getting in the mix in the run game. They got victimized here and there, but that was a little bit more as the game went on. So I'm not totally sure how many like actual, like real players were sort of in the mix on those. But uh, other than that, I thought a pretty good night for them. I agree. Yeah. So consistency we're looking for out of Washington, maybe, maybe working against those zone concepts a little bit more effectively, but yeah, that does it for the IG mailbag. Appreciate you guys. It was a, a solid one this week. We'll be having those uh, having those <clears throat> sporadically probably at some point. Maybe we'll do some of those in some YouTube streams as well, separately from the podcast or something of the sort, as we have been trying to up our game in the YouTube content. Uh, and then I think we, we definitely have some on Twitter as well. And let me pull those up. Okay. Cody Cavanaugh, when should I book my trip to Canton for the Prochet, the second's introduction to the Hall of Fame? 
uh, probably 2035, I guess, 20, 2037. So you're thinking 11-year career, 12-year career, and then he's first ballot? Let's go second second year. He gets it, and he has a 10-year career, and he just catches 100 passes every year from now until then. Just a total compiler. Okay, yeah, well, I'll be there. There we go. Do we see Odafi away at Gunner when the regular season starts? Also, you get to make a beer for the pod. Which style are you going with? A lager, an IPA, a stout, oh, or et cetera. So he was just asking which style uh, beer. That was Jesse Balasas, one of our one of our homies on Twitter. Away at Gunner to start the regular season? I'm going to say no, but I think he's going to play the hell out of some kick and punt coverage and be kind of like probably rushing to go block punts would make a ton more sense than being a gunner necessarily. I think he could be a great gunner, but uh, I mean, it would be fun. It'd be a fun thing. The Ravens like to have fun with, you know, Pat Ricard playing two ways and some things like that. So it wouldn't surprise me, but I think we see him in a more normal special teams role. I think they just wanted to like let him go run around and make some plays and have some fun. It'll be a fun thing to do in preseason. And, and he's probably really amazing at it, but it's really tiring to be a gunner running 50 yards is against a double team is really tiring. Yeah, mix him in uh, on special teams, maybe like trying to be that freak athlete that blocks kicks here and there, but uh, don't don't tire him out as gunner too much. Uh, answer for me would be stout. Uh, slowly coming to the realization that Guinness Draft Stout is probably my favorite beer of all time. So also great football beer. Perfect football weather, so I'd probably say stout. I'll go with a, I'll go with a nice lager. Nice lager. He drinks a whiskey drink. He drinks a cider drink. He drinks a vodka drink. He drinks a whiskey drink, he drinks a vodka drink, he drinks a lager drink, he drinks a cider drink. That's there we go. Okay. Is Pickles a pregame move for football games? I was debating with friends recently from my buddy Clay. Uh, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no, it's not. No, it's Orioles. I mean, it's, you know, it's close. It's close. It's close to M&T Bank, but it's, it's, it's an Orioles bar, which is fine. And it's uh, way, cl- it's way cl- I mean, it's on the other side way close. you gotta walk all the way over to yeah but it's it's walking distance i mean but still yeah that's it's an oreo situation there there are some good pregame bars there's the one right across from horseshoe that's like in that uh warehouse game. yeah game that 98 rock is in I've, I've fucked around with that place a little bit it's it's pretty cool um but yeah just you know get out in the mix tailgate a little bit don't don't worry about the bar scene too much garnet on a scale of one to o poop emoji what would you rate the status of the o line i would say probably like Probably say like PP. That would be my answer to that. So it's we not said, a but so we said we rated them at about a six. So I guess there would be four poop emojis. Um, no, that four poop emojis would be like that's poop. They are bad. That's poop. Okay, so that's one. a lot of poop emojis. Let's say one. He said one to oh is what he's getting at. So it's like not an exact thing, but we we, we talked about it. We're, we're, you, you know where we're at. You know, we're, I think that we're a little bit more uh, setting expectations very low. I think that's where I am right now. I'm setting low expectations for this unit, and I would prefer to be pleasantly surprised and say, wow, I was wrong. They put it together. Zeitler, it was, you know, an even better signing than I thought. Villanueva's best football is not behind him. Uh, Bozeman's able to deal with these nose tackles pretty well, especially with the help of Zeitler and then Whoever they put at left guard's awesome. Ronnie Stanley's fully healthy, and he just anchors the whole thing. Um, so I'm, I'm going on the low bar side of that. That's like teams with really nasty defensive fronts might kick their asses and make them lose a couple games, like a game or two, and give them a lot of trouble. 
which sure. happened last year. I mean, uh, they were able to beat the Colts, and part of it is being able to throw the ball to the perimeter effectively, get yards after the catch, things like that. But, the, I mean, the Colts front whooped them, especially in the first half. They have to play the Colts week five. They're going to be facing Chris Jones and Frank Clark and, and that Chiefs defense. Um, you know, who do they have? The Broncos have Von Miller and Bradley Chubb and, and some real dudes as well. So a couple of tough matchups in those first couple of games. And I, I think by that Broncos game, if they're getting beat badly, I think you're going to see a pretty pissed off Ravens coaching staff and a pretty frustrated offense. And uh, ultimately, you know, it's going to be a, going to be a strange situation to, to watch play out. Yeah, for sure. So moving on, are we nearing the end of the Tracy Unitas in Baltimore? I guess we'll call it the era Stuart shock. I think he sticks around still. I think he's still going to be in Baltimore. I don't know that someone else is going to pick him up. Uh, if, if they put him through waivers. So I think, I think he'll be on the, the full the full extended roster this year. Yeah, like even if they put him on the practice squad and let's say he's hypothetically not protected, which I don't think they would do, I'm not sure any team is going to be clamoring to go get Trace McSorley with back spasms to like start the regular season. So I think, you know, I think he'll be here for the long term as to what capacity. I'm not totally sure, but I guess we'll see. DJ and K show, biggest surprise cut not to make the final 53. We touched on that one earlier. Jake Verity's agent. Do you see the team keeping two or three quarterbacks? Who makes the cut? What happens? The other guy, if you're the GM, what are the pros and cons of each guy? And what's your ultimate decision? I want two. I don't, you know, I, I just, last year you're like, all right, we have RG3. We consider him a very serious backup. And he didn't turn out to, to really look that way, but he did play a pretty tough team in the one start he had. And he got injured. To me, it's like Huntley probably is just overall better. Uh, I, I mean, as we just said, McSorley has back spasms. He's not going to play again. So do you want to spend one of your roster spots? We're talking about potentially cutting a guy like Anthony Levine or Jordan Richards, probably Anthony Levine. I'm going heavier or Jalen Ferguson or, uh, you know, an offensive lineman or Ben Mason or, you know, uh, one of these cornerbacks that you really like a Chris Westry, someone like that. So that you can keep someone aside from Tyler Huntley who isn't Trace McSorley because I guess he's hurt. So they basically said like he's got some back issues. So to me, it's like keep two quarterbacks. If you have McSorley, you can protect him if you want, or you can kind of just, I don't know. To me in the end, it's like if Lamar Jackson, especially early in the year gets hurt and is out for a long time, your your season's probably going to go down the shitter really quick. And maybe Huntley can do some things and they can, you know, use his mobility. But again, he's just like, as much as he kind of, you know, is from Broward County, he's thin, he's fast, he, you know, likes to air the ball out and extend plays. You know, he's he's not going to play like Lamar Jackson, uh, like an MVP, and he's not going to elevate the team. He's not going to be able to run as much of a full offense. You're going to have more packages that you like for him and more play sets that you like for him. You're going to trim a lot of fat off of your playbook for him, things like that. So in the end to me, it's like keep two, keep someone on the practice squad. If Lamar goes down, especially early, which was is when that is happening in September with the cutdowns, Go, go, go with two. Yeah. Um, definitely always have one on the practice squad. I think they're going to. Um, I guess sort of the elephant in the room is the uh, the, the COVID situation, uh, which we don't have to talk about that or the politics of that. I think we're pretty much all pretty much burned out on that. But 
There is sort of a question hanging in the air regarding whether Lamar can miss a game at pretty much any given moment. But, like, um, he, he misses one, though, then. So it's like, are you going to cut one of the other guys just to miss one? I know what you're saying. I, I Like like I said, I would sign Bortles and probably protect Huntley on the practice squad. That's just what I would do personally. Blazing Blake, baby. Uh, so, I don't I mean... I don't know. I, th- I think it's like a big talking point, especially because Lamar and COVID and things like that. But in the end, it's like he, any way you want to cut it, if they really need the, th- if they need the third guy, they're fucked. Like if you need the third guy, you're fucked. So that's, that's how I look at it. Once you get to the third guy, you're already screwed. So why even need the third guy? Have it be, you know, Boise State's last graduate, whoever. Wookieth, Nookieth, two questions. One, prediction for most improved player by the end of the season. Two, FMK mascot edition. Poe, G-Wiz, and Gritty. Hmm. Uh, most improved player? Most improved player. Let's go with... By the end of the season. I'm trying to think going all the way through. I guess I guess maybe Ben Cleveland. Maybe Josh, Ben Cleveland. Josh. Maybe Oliver. you see Ben Cleveland not start at first and then start and and then turn it on later in the year as he, you know, keeps keeps going. Jake, you're going Josh Oliver. Yeah, I think uh gets some run early, maybe uh shines a little bit, and then uh by the end of the season he's kind of working his way into a rotational receiving role. I'm excited for Josh Oliver. Definitely excited for Josh Oliver. I think like the young linebackers too, I think we can see them really start to look like almost veterans by the end of the year. Um, so those guys, FMK, Poe, G-Wiz, and Gritty. I'm going to marry Poe. Um, just a homer pick. I feel like I, you know, we could get on for the rest of our lives. Uh, I'm looking, I didn't know G-Wiz before, so I'm, I'm looking at a picture of him right now. I think it's pretty funny. Um, God, I, I probably, I'd probably F G-Wiz. Just because it's, I, I I couldn't handle gritty. Gritty would be way too much for me. There's too much going on with gritty, so I'm gonna FG Wiz and K gritty. I'm I'm taking I'm taking gritty to the sack. You're a wild um, man though. You're you're a, you're a wild card, just like he is. I'm taking down gritty. I'm taking gritty down. You've 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 been warned, gritty, wherever you are. Hope your ears are burning right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna marry. I'm gonna marry G Wish. It's very low expectations. Probably, you know, takes care of business. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill off Poe. Poe, I'm coming for you. Your days are numbered. Damn, dude. I'm coming for you, Poe. And for Gritty. And Gritty, you better watch yourself. So this is a long-winded one. Cody McGowan. Rank these players, these bubble players, according to who you would want to make the 53. Geno Stone, Ardarius Washington, Chris Westry. Aaron Crawford, Jalen Ferguson, Ben Bredesen, Deion Kane, Tristan Cologne, Ben Mason, and Nigel Warrior. That's uh, that's that's a lot of them. That's, that's a lot of guys. That's a lot of fucking names. On the fly. So I'll give you one that I love. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go right now. You know, and I I'm, I wasn't I wasn't trying to hate on his interceptions. I just thought you know like one of them was a nice catch on just like a horrible ball, and he made a nice adjustment. And now now that I've seen the replay of the second one. It was a good interception. So I'm going to go Geno Stone. I'm ranking very high. And uh, right now I'm going to go I'm going to go Nigel Warrior very low just because the other safeties are playing well. And he the best abil- ability, especially for bubble players, is availability, and he does not have that right now. 
Yeah, I guess uh, Stone will be up for there for me, too. I think Westry is going to be able to roster, so I'll go high for him. And uh, haven't seen like anything out of Ben Bredesen in like his entire time here. So I, I'd go low for him. He's just kind of like, he's just kind of floating around for me. Fair enough. Moving on. Where are we? Where are we? Do you think that we will see another massive leap from Lamar like we did in his MVP season? Or do we think he is mainly fully developed and now needs to gain consistency? Will Pino asked. I mean, everything that's happened this entire training camp is basically pointed to the fact that it's going to be a tough fucking start for the Ravens. Um, offensive line hurt. COVID. Lamar has COVID, misses 10 days. Receiver is now hurt once he comes back. Like Everything is pointing to the fact that this might be a rocky start. And in terms of like, I don't know. I just remember 2019, we didn't, we didn't get to cover camp last year. We didn't even have anyone credentialed that went last year. And... The 2019 season, the 2019 training camp, like the Ravens were just sharp. There was such a profound energy about that team and that offense and so much buzz about what's Lamar going to do and yada, yada. I just felt like they were very prepared. They were very energetic. They were very, you know, sharp throughout camp. Uh, they stayed very healthy. And to to look in comparison between 2019's training camp and this training camp is basically the antithesis. Lamar misses the first 10 days. The offensive line's hurt. The receivers are hurt. Like, the offense has had no semblance of normalcy, even though, like, there's only been two issues with COVID. The rest of it is injury and timings and, you know, all kinds of stuff. So I feel like we're going to see – and, again, I, I've made this kind of – this moonlight take that I feel like if the stars don't align, Greg Roman could get – very much, he already has been scapegoated very much, and has he, you know, had his shortcomings? Absolutely, but there is a very real world where the Ravens' offensive line is not good, the receivers are not healthy, Lamar has not had a lot of time. They play the Raiders, who are, you know, a team coming off a really like a really, I guess, I'm trying to think of the right word. They fell short two years in a row of making the playoffs, and they coming off of probably very pissed off year. They have their home opener. You know, I, I think the Ravens can win that game definitely handily, but tough game. The Chiefs, the Lions are, you know, uh, to me, a, a walk in the park. But then the Broncos and the Colts, those first five games, a lot. there's a good bit of travel involved. And now as we're creeping closer and there's still all these, like, lingering injuries and all this stuff, I mean, maybe it'll all come together in about a week. Maybe Hollywood comes back in a week and Ronnie Stanley's kind of a more full participant in the next couple of weeks and – you know, basically gets to the point where hopefully it's all just everything but Rashad Bateman and hopefully we get some good news in the next month on him and things like that. But there's a very real world basically where I think that the Ravens might end up, you know, seeing Greg Roman get fired after a month or something into the season and something like that. And then I think this offense can get healthy and develop chemistry with a lot of new faces and then light the world on fire. Who would be the offensive coordinator? I, I got to look at James Urban, a guy who's been here for a couple of years, understands Lamar and the passing offense probably quite well. I would think as, as a longtime kind of pro there, James Urban would be the guy to take over. But uh, I, I just feel like it's going to be a tough start for the offense specifically. I think the defense can carry them and win games absolutely, especially in some of those tough ones to start. And then I think we see them catch stride in the second half and, you know, they, they need to be on fire by the time they get Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Cleveland in that three-game stretch. And I think that's when they're going to be hot. And that's that's kind of the vibes I'm getting right now. 
Yeah, I agree. And uh, I guess to the overall question, I think we probably, I think somewhere in between 2020 and 2019 is sort of the, maybe that's not the way to right way to phrase it because he could probably be worse than he was in 2020. But I think maybe a, a better version of what we saw in 2020 is sort of the Lamar Jackson experience. I don't think he's ever going to quite hit the highs of 2019 again. But uh, yeah, just finding that consistency. I think what we saw even in 2020 is pretty much good enough to get it done. And I think he obviously he very much can be better than that. So uh, yeah, just find that consistency. Get to where you need to be. I hear that. Moving on. Whoops. And it just re-scrolled to the top of the question. What else do we got? We got... Six wide receivers or six pass rushers? We already answered that one. Another question: Who are the surprise? The three surprise cuts you see, and three guys you are that are making the roster bubble make it. In, so that was typed out all crazy, but he's trying to say who are three surprise cuts and three surprise guys make the roster. Surprise make the roster. Like Prochet making the roster is not a surprise. So let's say like Jalen Moore makes the roster. That would be a surprise. Let's say. Christian Welch makes the roster. Oh, no, he just got hurt. He just got hurt. I don't so, know. Yeah. So that's a tough one. I guess surprise make the roster. Adrian Ely would be a surprise. Uh, you know, they cut Smith. They cut everything else down. Maybe it's Adrian Ely. I don't uh, – I feel like he's a practice squad guy and maybe might get poached. Um, surprise Tony – Pole John would be a surprise, uh, but maybe not out of this world of possibilities. They like were like, all right, screw it, we're keeping four tight ends. I guess Tyson Williams would be somewhat of a surprise. I don't, I don't know. Right now, I'm just feeling, I'm not feeling a lot of surprises. I think the the guys on the bubble are all very like defined. Yeah, I agree. You, you pretty much summed it up for me. There we go. All right, and that does it for both mailbags. Twitter and Instagram. We appreciate you guys. We'll be doing another one probably, I guess, sometime before the season starts. Maybe, you know, gauge how people are feeling ahead of the regular season. Something like that. And I also just saw, for the first time, Brandon Stevens also left practice. So, Ravens just getting absolutely dogged out in uh, the dog days of summer here. But hopefully they're able to get healthy. And it's it's just like, I feel like we're going to hear all this stuff about how the Panthers might be very healthy and just absolutely whoop the Ravens' ass in practice over the next couple of days. And everyone's going to be like, oh, my God, this is such a disaster. The Ravens are going to be so bad. And then they just, like, don't have 10 of their starting players involved in these practices, and it's really not that big of a deal. And then 19-0 in the preseason. Coming down the pipeline. Yeah, listen, we'll uh, we'll certainly see what happens in that regard. Hopefully they're able to get healthier over the coming weeks. There's still plenty of time to go for the regular season. Got another, you know, th- four, three, four weeks at this point. So, uh, you know, hopefully things, you know, come together. I think they will, and uh, I'm optimistic they will. So I hope you enjoyed what you heard on tonight's mailbag episode coming off a long weekend for us both. So I think... Uh, be a very valiant effort by the two of us to hop in here and uh, knock down this mailbag after the first preseason game, which, like I said, was a very fun watch for us both. If you liked what you heard, please feel free to follow us on social media. You can find the show on Twitter at Podcast Beatdown. You can find me at Jake Luke. That is L-O-U-Q-U-E. Spencer is at Ravens 4 Dummies. That's the number four in the middle. Follow our main account at Be More Beatdown and follow us on Instagram 
at Baltimore underscore B-Town underscore podcast. And I also do want to push the uh, YouTube page. Getting closer and closer to that 1,000 subscriber mark. We're at 903 as things stand. So uh, keep uh, keep rolling in. Keep checking out what we got going on there. And uh, hit that subscribe button if you have not already. Uh, and, uh, yeah, hope you enjoyed what you heard tonight. We'll talk to you guys again later in the week. It might be featuring a guest. We're not totally sure yet. But we will have uh, something in the way of a preview for the Panthers game. Uh, and until then, we will talk to you guys later. See ya. Peace out. Gorlami. Gorlami. Arrivederci. 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 Arrivederci.